Welcome to another edition of Inside the Economy. I'm Larry Howes. Thanks for joining me. This time I want to talk about U.S. consumers and the housing market and what's going on there. Corporate America and what's going on with all the employment numbers out there. Will the Fed lower the rates? They did a little while ago. We're sort of seeing the repercussions. Energy production. And yes, the globe is slowing. If you look at all the numbers, great update. We put August 2018 over there on the left. Everything is down. Inflation is down. The ISM, the Institute of Supply Side Management numbers are down. Unemployment rate is down. Interest rates are down. Everything. The U.S. economy has successfully slowed, which is why the Federal Reserve raised the rates in the first place. They have lowered rates now for a variety of reasons, maybe to stay ahead of the curve, but whatever, it has slowed. GDP numbers are smaller. Next ones you see are going to be in the very, very low twos, high ones. It's okay. PCE or even the CPI inflation numbers, they're at 1.6. So if the growth in the country, gross domestic product, stays ahead of inflation, it's in a good spot. Now, here's what's going on in the real estate market. Cleveland, Boise, Idaho, Grand Rapids, Detroit, a lot of places, housing markets are pretty good. People are out buying, consumers are confident. They got a hint that interest rates have come down a little bit. So the difference between a mortgage at four and three quarter and four and a half is very attractive, and they're out buying. San Jose's slowing. Seattle's kind of flat. Denver slowed a little bit. The important thing are the purchases out in the rest of the country, out in farmland, out in the boondocks, outside of the manufacturing centers. They are buying. And fundamentally, places like Colorado, and further down this graph, you'll notice that the parity numbers, given what, a, what the place costs versus what people earn, there's a lot more states out there that have lower parity compared to Hawaii, California, District of Columbia, which are wearing people out. They don't like to pay four, $5,000 a month for a two-bedroom apartment just to live there. If their jobs don't require that they live there, they move. This is the REO inventory from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Good old Fannie and Freddie. Over the course of years, their REO, which is what this is, the real estate owned number has been coming way down because people are buying those properties that were abandoned or foreclosed on. This is good. If the trend continues, they're probably going to be historical lows here in the next couple of years, the government won't own any more property. You read a lot about manufacturing numbers, how much it's slowing, how people are working less. This is basically the data. The top here, the brown, are the hours worked. And you'll notice that the hours worked have come down a little bit. A lot of that is overtime, mostly in the auto industry. Auto sales are slowing. In fact, everything is slowed except for light trucks. Most people have new cars. Even with new financing options, they're still not buying a lot of new ones. They've got a new one. 
The other things, well, there's still a lot of jobs open. There's millions of jobs open, and they're being acquired or ignored depending upon where they are. But manufacturing is not turning around and headed south. It's simply slowing, per the design of the Federal Reserve all along. Here's the S&P 500. It's a great measure of how people feel about the U.S. economy. This is the last two years. Had a little volatility. We all remember the end of 2018. Where we are right now, after the drama of the recent tariff discussions and everything, the S&P 500 is down about 4%. Not bad. Still doing well. Earnings are good. Earnings in a lot of places exceeded expectations. That's why the S&P has done as well as it has. Corporate America, if you notice, the black down here, those are dividends. Those of you that paid attention during finance will remember that dividends are a payment after corporate taxes. It's not a deductible item. So it's relatively expensive for a corporation to cough up dividends. People pay dividends because it supports the price of their stock. There's a lot of people that just buy stock for the dividends. Three and a half, four percent, pretty good. Not a tax deduction on the corporate side, taxable on the corporate side. Lower tax rate on the individual side, but the freight is still paid. The blue here is the money and the amount of money, and we're talking a trillion dollars right now, how much the S&P 500 has spent buying their own stock. You can support your stock paying a dividend, or you can support your stock by buying more of it and making less of it, which is quite frequent. Either way, earnings are good in the U.S. Basic corporate America is in pretty good shape. Fed lowered rates. They were at two and a half, they're now two and a quarter. The 10-year, which you see here on the green line, kind of went down a lot. Oh, we have an inverted yield curve. Eh, it doesn't matter. Historically, inverted yield curves bring a lot of drama, depending upon what the crisis is. When the yield goes down so much, the price went up. The 10-year, the price for a 10-year treasury went way up. The yield came way down. They're very popular. It's part of the flight to quality. When they have concerns, I'm going to go buy a treasury. Some people have gone out and bought gold. Gold is pushing maybe $1,600 an ounce right now. Best it's done in five years. But the Treasury doing this, especially the 10-year doing this, this time is more a indication of how popular it is rather than there's an impending crisis. We don't have any bubbles in the U.S. economy right now. We don't have a liquidity bubble. We don't have a real estate bubble overvalued stock market bubble, none of that. We have people wondering what's going to happen next, so they just go buy treasuries. This is not indicative of a recession in the very near future. Will the Fed lower rates? There's a lot of indications out there. We have no idea what they're going to do, and it's not very productive to predict what they might do. But the futures contracts, which is what this is, suggest there's a lot of easing going to happen around the globe. Well, there is a lot of easing for different reasons. The U.S. might continue to lower rates from where they are right now, two and a quarter to two. That might be a good number. If inflation's at 1.6, 
two for Fed funds is a good number. With GDP at two, maybe 2.1, it's good. Either way, if they keep lowering, well, next move will be raising. But the rest of the world, it's a different situation. Generally, banks, or in this case, the Federal Reserve, they lower rates to make money cheap. They lower rates to inspire consumers to go out and buy things, houses, boats, whatever. On the commercial side of things, they inspire businesses to either expand their business or start a business. That has always worked in the United States, and it continues to work in the United States. People borrow money because they can do better with it than what it costs them. It's the whole ballgame. I don't think the United States is ever going to get into negative interest rates like our very, very prevalent Europe. We've talked about that. <clears throat> There's fundamental optimism here. And the Federal Reserve is only going to have to lower rates a little bit more to get more momentum going in this economy. It's not like we don't have momentum. I think there's some political motivation that they want more momentum. Okay, energy used to be a big factor in a lot of things. Really not anymore. This is OPEC. OPEC, the little dainty red line there, you see, is how much they've been cutting production in millions of barrels a day. Now, generally, if you're an old Keynesian economist, when you restrict the availability, Price goes up. Well, that didn't happen. OPEC played that card really for the last time. They have tried to restrict production and drive rates up. That's worked so well for them the last 25 years. Not anymore. The United States is producing 8 million barrels a day just out of shale. That production continues to go up from basins all over the U.S. This is not the oil that they've drilled. It is some fracking and busting up shale. We're about 11, 12 million barrels a day. Pretty significant energy producer. It doesn't matter what OPEC does or what Russia does. And it's not just oil. Texas is now number one in installed and producing windmills. Not surprised. They have a lot of space. They have consistent wind. Texas wants to stay important in producing energy, and they are. California has a lot of wind generators and have really been a believer in that for a long time. It's just interesting now that the wind generators, specifically if you've ever been down I-15, you see them all over the hills, they're 20 years old, need to be updated. They can't compete with these new huge windmills. They will. Wind is becoming a bigger factor, probably growing faster and more significant than solar. The age of the hydrocarbon is, well, not over. It's just slowing. A lot of conversations going on right now about, oh, bad news for agriculture. Well, it's not bad news for agriculture unless the only thing you do is grow soybeans. Here's basically the percentage of the GDP of these various states, how significant agriculture is. I'm sure no one's surprised that North and South Dakota and Nebraska, it's almost 6% of the GDP to their state. 
Well, it's way less for everybody else. Agriculture is easy in the U.S. We have money, we have good soil, we have water, and we really don't have that many people to feed, so we take it kind of casually. Unfortunately, the rest of the world, with the exception of the Ukraine and Russia and a few other places, Brazil, don't have that luxury. It's a lot more of a political and human issue. And if you're looking in the media, you'll notice India has changed the status of its northern neighbor, Kashmir and the other state, basically saying, you're losing your autonomy and we're kind of taking over, makes them unhappy. It's not about a political diversion for Prime Minister Modi and the fact that some of the promises that he made really can't happen and they never could have in the first place. It's water. Kashmir has a lot of water, six huge rivers, and the ongoing melting of the Himalayan ice shelf. Well, the huge aquifers in India are nearly dry. Many reservoirs in India are dry. The only thing that has water in it right now is the Ganges, and you don't want to know how polluted the Ganges is. I'll just let you imagine. Unfortunately, India really is the test case for bad things when you can't grow enough food. They have very inefficient farming processes, peasants out doing it by themselves. Their primary crop is a very water-inefficient rice, followed by an almost equally water-inefficient wheat. That's what they enjoy. They just don't have the water or the wherewithal. Three years ago, they had three-quarters of their normal monsoon, and it came very, very close to ruining a couple of these huge crops. I'll leave it to your imagination to think how bad it would be for a country of 1.6 billion to not have enough food. So the rest of these countries are going to have to move into desalinization because there really isn't a lot of alternatives. They don't have aquifers anymore. They've used them. They're going to have to do desalinization and significantly improve how they move their water around. Pipes canals, whatever it is they want to do, even getting water five miles away is a major thing for some of these places. They're just going to have to get better before we have a semi-global drought. Anyway, thanks for joining me. The U.S. economy is fundamentally in pretty good shape. Don't worry about the soap opera. The globe is slowing. It needs to slow. I hope you're not in Hong Kong because the airport is closed. And whatever goes on with the negotiations between the U.S. and the China and the tariffs uh, is probably not on the top 10 of economic issues. So thanks for joining me. And I'll uh, remind you once again, if you have questions, I'm happy to answer them. Just send me something at info at shwj.com and I'll work it into the material. Thank you.